This is the center of controversy, Miss Trina Michaels, and you're listening to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Theme song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Uh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, episode 332. I am your host, Troy. With me today is Jason. Just today? Oh, well. I mean, like, it is sort of a regular thing. Well, I know that, but I like to change things up a little bit. I mean, we pretty much have we pretty much have an exclusive relationship on Wednesday nights. That is true. That is true. We do have a standing uh, standing appointment uh, for some docking. Yes. All right. So I think we're going to jump right into this. Um, so the the following uh, is a list compiled by votes for the rundown staff. Um, now they were not were not allowed to vote for topics about themselves. Which is good because otherwise number five would have definitely been Adam asking why how much we uh, miss him. Spoiler alert, we don't. Uh, but it's oh wait no I'm being handed a note here. Uh, we're not doing that because that's retarded. What instead we're doing is the same thing that we do everything every week. The perfect ten. The perfect ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. All right, and we're gonna start things off. Uh, let's see here. It doesn't appear that you have this on here, so let's let's go ahead and call this one the the uh, special appearance in the Royal Rumble before the Perfect Ten. Well, you saw this list before we started, man. If you wanted to add I know, something, I know. fucking feel free. But but I I can't make fun of it without expanding upon it. Okay. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was the SmackDown top ten list? They had talked about doing it, I think, the week before. I, I have no fucking clue. I mean, it's it's really... First off, if you're going to introduce something like this, have it have some merit to it. Uh, Naomi being number four ahead of all the people she was ahead of is a little silly. Well, uh, Ty Dillinger being on the list. Ty Dillinger being on the list. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the number one contenders for uh, the heavyweight championship, not being on the list. There was not a single heel on the list. That's true, too. And, uh, uh, and, and you, you mispronounced it. Daniel Bryan calls her Na- Naomi. Uh, Naomi. Yes. Yep. Not Naomi. Yes. But that's okay. That's because actually a common mispronunciation of her name. I hear that a lot. It's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. You also had the tag team champions, the Usos, rated below the New Day. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that makes total sense. And yeah. I guess... I guess all the the heels voted for the faces. I guess. Yeah, I I don't. This is the dumbest fucking thing they've done um, in, in a while. 
Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because we saw the graphics package they did a couple weeks ago. That was pretty fucking dumb. Don't uh, worry, I've got I've got one this week. Okay, um, but other than that, I, yeah, no, I, I have no idea why the fuck they did this. Yeah, uh, but let's go ahead and and branch onto that and do the actual main roster call up. Let's talk about the perfect ten this week and let's start things off by talking about the first kind of misstep in the mixed match challenge. As Rose Gold or Golden Rose uh, take, uh, took on Naomi and the Usos Penis Sanctuary. I did that and one just for you. I figured you'd get a kick out of that one. That was that's lovely. Yep. Um, so it was Naomi Usos because Naomi know. Usos. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this match, <laughs> this this match really fell flat just because of the the people involved in it. Uh, anytime that you have one single Uso brother, it's kind of. Mm, and having the married couple, yeah. I mean, uh, Mandy Rose and Goldust tried. They definitely did. Um, I was a little concerned because this is the second time now that we've seen one of the women perform a move on one of the men, which I thought was against the rules. So not only should Naomi be disqualified, but so should Sasha Banks from week one. Um, and then to do shoving her ass into Goldust's face, not cool. All right, so I'm going to completely fucking disagree with you. I really enjoyed the shit out of this. Um, Again, and and we talk about this sometimes, these things, this mismatch challenge, for me, the enjoyment of this is that it's been fun. It's been something different. It's not too serious. They're not taking themselves too crazy. It's, It's go out there and have a good time, have fun. That's why they're pairing up the couples and the little spot of I'm going to kiss your hand, she's going to kiss your hand. I want the kiss, and then Uso stops him from getting the kiss. Uh, it's just, I thought I thought it was entertaining. Uh, they clearly have the <sighs> ring mic'd up, extra sensitive for this uh, thing because you could hear everything they were saying in that ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Mandy Rose and Goldust were phenomenal together, uh, so much so that it reminded me of a couple months back when Goldust was teasing having sort of a new Marlena kind of character, or, or valet, or someone else. I, in retrospect. Mandy Rose would have been fucking perfect for that role. The entrance was great with him pretending to videotape her, and she's working mm-hmm. it the whole way. Yeah. I loved everything about this. I loved Rusev coming out. Lana is great. Lana number one. I could do that shit all day. Yeah. Um, I, I Honestly, I thought this was great. And you know what? I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand it was very comedy-driven. But after a two hours of SmackDown and Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon and will they or won't they and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and AJ Styles in this weird menage a trois they got going on. I was ready to just have a little fun, have a good time. And this did that for me. Uh, I'm a hundred percent all in on this thing. I would contest that um, every single one of the matches we've seen so far has been comedy driven and it's been great. This was a um, little know. heavier on the comedy. This was a oh, little, yeah. little less competition, certainly. I mean, they stopped the match in the middle for Goldust to catch his breath. I mean, yeah. this was clearly pre-worked out spots for comedy. I find, and I see this, I see him on Total Divas all the time, I find Jimmy Uso to be very funny anyway. Uh, I thought he played off of Goldust really well. I, I just, all the interactions I thought were great. I, I just, I really enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I may have enjoyed this one more than any of the mixed match challenges so far. I still really enjoyed um, having Braun and Alexa. I still think that yep. that is my, that is my favorite one so far. That's my favorite uh, pairing. Mm-hmm. 
but the match I didn't find as entertaining. Oh, I, I liked the match on that one. I thought the match, I, I preferred that match a little bit more than this one. Um, the, the problem I, for me with that match, and, uh, sorry, not to cut you off. The problem on. for me with that match was that you knew the second Braun tagged in, the fucking shit was over. Yeah. Like, you knew they weren't going to legitimately make Sammy a threat to beat Braun. So, right. to me, that was always in the back of my mind. That sort of took away from me. With this one, I legitimately had questions as to whether or not they were going to have the Usos lose, because he's got the tag titles. She's, you know, if I, so there's a bunch of other stuff they're, they're into. It would make perfect sense to sort of phase them out of this thing quickly, whereas Mandy Rose and Goldust aren't doing a ton. It might be, they might be more apt to make a long run in this thing. It made perfect sense to me, so I didn't go into it with a preconceived notion of I know who's going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I am uh, rather looking forward to next week as well, um, because next week we are having Elias and Bailey, who had an interesting little interaction backstage. Uh, Complete with on, the shitty Bobby Roode graphics from the week before. Yeah, that's true. Um, and they're, they are taking on, um, oh boy, Lana and Rusev. Um, and of course, uh, you know, having... Having Lana Rusev come out, had cut a little promo, was uh, was rather entertaining. Obviously, got the crowd, you know, popping. Rusev Day is, is over, and um, Rusev Day is co- the most over fucking thing in this company right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, uh, having Corey Graves try to get everyone to sing along to the Lana is great song. Was, oh no, was they did that cool. shit on their own. That was yeah, yeah. It was it was quite interesting. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we had a little thing with Bailey and, and Elias where Elias. Started playing his guitar. Bailey tried to sing, and Elias said, "No, no, we're we're good, we're good." So, said, uh, yeah, leave the singing to me. And yeah. then she said, "Can I get a hug?" And he said, "No." And nope. if you had any questions, they flashed all the fucking words on the screen as they said them. Uh, see, but they've been doing that every week, so I'm I'm okay with it because it. They've been doing it for everyone's promo. I'm okay with it in the Mixed Match Challenge because, again, it's light, it's fun, it's not too serious, it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be. uh, They did it in another spot, which I'll talk about in a little bit, where I didn't find it as fun, so we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, we'll go ahead and, and lead it off. All right, well, I guess we'll get into that topic then by bringing up a topic I find pretty interesting because 205 Live is actually becoming a thing. Um, I don't know if you've been catching up on it or keeping up on it recently. I, I started when it first broke in and, and it came out on the network. Uh, I gave up fairly quickly into the process when I realized that it was going to be, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, how they basically had the cruiserweights wrestling heavyweight style matches. And it's not entertaining to watch these guys do the things that they're doing. The main roster guys who are already more over are doing better than they are. Uh, right. What set these guys apart was their agility, their speed, their innovation, and, and they just completely stifled that. Uh, if you've watched 205 Live any of the last two weeks, and I, if you haven't, I would suggest you go back and watch it. Uh, since Drake Maverick has come on, since they announced this Cruiserweight Championship tournament, they've gotten back to more of the elements of the Cruiserweight Classic. The the, the focus has really gone back to the in-ring performance. The Cruiserweights are wrestling like Cruiserweights again. Fast-paced, high-octane, high-flying, innovative mm-hmm. action. Great stuff to watch. Highlighted this week by a fantastic main event between Roderick Strong and Hideo Itami. Now, mm-hmm. for those of you who listen to Nitromania, allow me to steal a bit from Adam... And play the game, is it racist? 
And I play this game because we talked about the graphics package flashing everyone's words on the screen. However, on 205 Live, as Hideo Itami attempted to cut a promo in English, which we all know is not his strong suit, Mm -hmm. they flashed all the words for what he was saying. Gotcha. They didn't do for any of the American promos that I saw, at least. Yeah, that's a little odd. Um, but there was some. There, there is still some elements of WWE in it, which is sort of done in a way that's a little more endearing. For example, they've got Akira Tozawa uh, doing his selfie promos, but imitating Vince McMahon. Uh, so he's working next week. He's he's in this tournament against. Uh, mm, I'm blanking on the person's name that he's facing next week. But in any event, um, so they asked him, who do you think? He asked somebody, a random dude backstage, who do you think is going to win? And the person said his opponent. And he went, no, you're wrong. I am going to win. And then you're fired. And then he kind of does the Vince McMahon walk away. Very, very fucking funny. Um, 205 Live, if this continues, this trend is going to become one of my favorite shows every week to watch. And the report came out today, and this makes perfect sense, that about two weeks ago, Vince McMahon was finally convinced to take his hands off of the 205 Live product and let Triple H run it. And if you've noticed, it's running much more like NXT. It's focused on the in-ring standpoint. They're not trying to gangbang Alicia Fox anymore. There's nothing like that going on. It's in-ring. It's competition. It's focused. Uh, you had Lince Dorado and Kalisto this week, which was fantastic. Uh, you had Roderick Strong and Hideo Itami, which I mentioned. <clears throat> Roderick apparently getting the win, which surprised me a little bit. I thought Itami was going to be sort of a big thing in 205 Live, but apparently he's already <clears throat> done with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen it, Troy, but uh, listening to some of the description, if you haven't, and I know you've been very critical of 205 Live as well, uh, are you willing to give it another chance at this point? Yeah, I, I definitely am. Um, I will uh, will attempt to watch the last week episode. I did, I did watch the one before where they introduced Drake Maverick, um, which I, I, I will say was a little bit strange to have the announcers say say that he's formerly known as Rockstar Spud. Yeah, they did that uh, on then, Raw this week for no fucking yeah. reason. And uh, then for him to turn around and start his promo with, my name is Drake Maverick. Yeah, it's like, well, no, they just told told us your name is not Drake Maverick. <laughs> so, so that that is very strange, and and I, and to me, I just don't feel that he had clearly didn't have name recognition because they didn't let him keep his name. Um, but also, like, just just let him be a new guy, you now, know? Why the f- I, I, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me why they did that because mm. it, it's like you never, I've never ever in my life seen that like. Fucking Terry Funk didn't cut through the fucking box and go, I am Chainsaw Charlie. You might have known me as Terry Funk. Yeah. Like, he didn't do that shit. Right. Nobody's yeah. ever done that in WWE. Why Why are we doing this now? Right. Even when even when we first uh, debuted Hideo Tommy, yes, the announcer said, you know, that he, that he was Kenta now going oh. by, by... Go ahead. Funny you should mention that, because during his match with Roderick Strong this week, at one point when he's down on the mat and Roddy's waiting for him to get up, Roddy yells, come on, Kenta! Come on, Hideo! Like he it's, realized it right yeah. after he said it. It's difficult because you got to think a guy like Roddy Strong 
worked with him for so long, mm-hmm. you know, in, in different things that, yeah, it's hard to start calling. It. It'd be like if suddenly you're like, okay, well, today and from, from here on out, uh, instead of I'm, I'm going to be called, uh, you know, uh, Big Dick Maverick. And everyone's like, well, no, you're you're Jason. Be like, nope, nope, Big Dick Maverick from now on. And then just people will just have to be like, all right, I guess I guess he's Big Dick Maverick now. All right, let's keep let's go with it. It's it's difficult, you know. And and obviously when you get people behind the scenes, they do typically call each other by their you know by their work name. And yeah, you've got somebody who clearly has called, you know, Hideo Tommy Kenta for a number of years to suddenly have to be like, oh, that's right, you're not Kenta anymore. Yeah, a little bit strange, but. Uh, we don't want to get too far away from this without playing Sal's voicemail because I have something to say about it afterwards. All right. So here's Sal. What's up, Rundown? It is me, it is Sal, and I'm here. I'm calling this week to talk about the founder, the owner, the end-all, be-all himself, Vince McMahon. As being reported tonight on the Rundown, Vince is no longer in charge of producing 205 Live, specifically writing the show from week to week. He's going to help out with character development, but he has passed that control to Triple H. Now, this is one of many examples that I think we can look at where Vince should not be running the day-to-day operations in the direction of the creative storylines. Um... 205 Life suffered when Vince took it over, and it never had the same appeal that the Cruiserweight Classic had when Triple H was running it. There's more examples. Uh, Just happened to listen to Jericho on Austin's podcast last week when he talked about Vince had banned the Styles Clash when he first started working with AJ, when AJ came into the company. Um, but Jericho convinced him to use it because Vince didn't know what the Styles Clash was. So when Jericho had a match with AJ and AJ went for the Clash and they were watching it back, Jericho basically said, oh, isn't that a great move, that reverse pile driver thing? And he's like, yeah, that's a great move. Yeah, you should use that as a finish. Vince had no idea it was the Styles Clash. Okay, that's how out of touch this man is. Um, he doesn't watch anything. He barely watches his own product, uh, where Triple H does have his, his hand on the pulse. So I think uh, Raw and SmackDown would benefit greatly if he just focused on his little XFL and finally handed control of the company over. Otherwise, Raw and SmackDown will continue to be boring, and shit will continue not to make sense because a senile 70-year-old man is running the company. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Okay, so I know that uh, the the in vogue thing to do is to make fun of Vince McMahon and blame everything bad on Vince McMahon. I have two decades of wrestling memories Mm -hmm. thanks to Vince McMahon. 100%. And to say that he barely watches his own product is complete bullshit. No, he sits in fucking gorilla every goddamn show. Right. Watching every fucking yeah. match. And, yes, him, you know, him taking over 205 Live was a bit of a misstep, but you got to remember, the Cruiserweight Classic was on the network. Mm-hmm. That is a small slice of the audience. In full sale. Yes, in full sale, with a small slice of the audience. Mm-hmm. 
he tried to take that and create the the a program based a lot on Raw and SmackDown because Raw and SmackDown are accepted by the general audience. He tried to take something right. that was niche and present it to a larger audience. And, and in his defense, part of that strategy was to integrate the cruiserweights into Raw. So right. his idea was let's make it like the product they're already watching because that's where it's going to be in the universe. Right. That title is yeah. going to be defended on Raw. It's going to be defended on Raw pay-per-view. So these mm-hmm. people have to fit with the Raw trademark. And that was sort of where they made the misstep. Uh, another thing I would take exception with with Sal, when he talks about the guy can't do it anymore, we're going to talk in a few minutes about a guy who has no fucking business being where he is for his talent, but because of the way he's been booked is now not only in the Elimination Chamber, but is going to get the last spot in the Elimination Chamber because Elias has become a huge fucking star because of the way Vince McMahon has booked him. So certainly, I am one on this show, and I have no issues admitting it. I I will call out Vince McMahon for shit that I think he's mistaken on. But to sit here and say that the guy's senile and the guy can't do it anymore, I think is a misstep. I think there have been a lot of great creations. People can sit here and shit on all they want on Roman Reigns. The guy's a great wrestler. The guy's a great performer, and he's been booked much, much better as of late. Uh, you can make the case maybe too little too late, but that's, you know, you, you sometimes you make mistakes and you try to fix them on the fly, and when you're doing TV every week and there's no off season, you do what you can do to fix them, yeah. and he's trying to do that. But right. Braun Strowman? You're going to tell me they didn't build Braun Strowman right? Right. You know, I, I also look at it as I'm not I, I'm also not one to anoint Triple H as the savior of all wrestling. Because there's a couple of people that Triple H had down in NXT that he did nothing with that suddenly when they came to the main roster became something. Alexa Bliss would be one of those people. And you know, you you look at her as somebody that never really given the chance down in NXT, you know, uh, obviously was there for a little bit. Uh, through a lot of her own merit, but also through some of the booking decisions, she became the top woman on, you know, her uh, on her brand. Uh, you look at, you know, I mean, obviously the way that they use Carmella is very smart as well. Um, but on top of that, too, yes, I know that there are some NXT superstars on on WWE television that are not used all that well, like Ty Dillinger. But you know what? There's probably a reason why Ty Dillinger spent ten years in the Indies, and and in developmental because he's not that good. I, I, I would disagree with that. First off, I think Ty Dillinger is incredibly talented, and I think he's incredibly charismatic. And I think you look at a situation like Rusev right now being one of the best performers overall on the roster and still being stuck in the middle, in a middle-class view, losing uh, middle uh, um, secondary championship matches and things like that. So they're not bad. They never bat a 1,000. As yeah. for Alexa Bliss and Carmella, which is, you know, I, I understand your point there. My only counter to that would be we've learned recently that they have people who they intentionally hold back on NXT so that they sort of can develop into who they're going to be on the main roster. That's what they did with Mandy Rose. That's what they did with Sonya Deville. That's why you didn't see them that much on NXT. They were there every now and then, but for the most part you didn't see them because they wanted them to sort of be built on the main roster and that may have been the case with alexa bliss and carmella too i don't know i'm just saying you know everybody hits and misses i personally am more of a fan of the way triple h books his shows because 
It's the wrestling I grew up watching. The in-ring personal conflicts without the goofy, you know, campy storylines, um, feuds built through rivalries, etc. Those are the things that really get me into wrestling. That's probably why I prefer the NXT events usually. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about the fact that uh, Triple H has problems running NXT because I just don't, I simply don't see it that way. Uh, I don't I don't think he has problems with it, and I I don't want to compare him. I just want to say one more thing before we move on here because we spent a little more little more time on this than I thought we were going to. You can't sit there and say Vince McMahon is out of touch and is a senile old man after you boasted about how great Royal Rumble was. It's true. You know, because guess what? That's the same dude. The same guy who booked that, the same guy who reached out to the to the different women, the same guy who brought in Rey Mysterio and the Hurricane, the Mm -hmm. same guy who came up with the Heath Slater thing is the same guy that you're giving shit to because 205 Live didn't really work. Well, you know, we're two weeks into the Triple H era. Let's maybe pump the brakes before we say that everything is perfect now. Right. You know, let's let's. It's, it's a work in progress. Let's see where this goes. Well, and I you think know? part of the thing is Triple H has his strengths and Vince has his strengths. And I think if you sort of transition to putting Triple H in front of the, the in-ring product and Vince in front of the character development at this point, you might be getting the best of both worlds. Um, that may be – that's apparently what we're going to see on 205 Live. I've noticed a definite turnaround the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Uh, <clears throat> but – that voicemail was brought to you by a guy who waits till 9.30 at night to shovel his snow. So that should tell you where you're coming from. That's true. Come on the show and defend yourself. All right, so moving yeah, I on. Think from... we, I think we just shit on Sal every episode till he comes on again. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, speaking of shitting on guys, uh, we got a little bit of a, of, of a feud, a real-life feud, between Corey Graves and Booker T. So, <sighs> I don't know if I'm buying it. <laughs> so this one is... Um, a lot of this is yes, we you know, all we're seeing is what we're presented. So Corey Graves and Booker T, you know, kind of traded blows left and right on on Raw quite a bit. Now, obviously, that's Corey's character. Um, and then all of a sudden, once Booker T was removed from the from Raw and replaced by Jonathan Coachman, which I am all for, um, Booker T came out and and said on a radio interview that he wanted to beat the shit out of Corey Graves. Uh, and kind of talked about the fact that, you know, Corey runs his mouth and shit like that. Uh, Corey seemed to respond in kind uh, by by making a crack about John and the coach better watch himself or he's going to be hosting radio, a radio show. Uh, and Booker T turned around on Twitter and said that Corey Graves is a very talented guy. So uh, it right now it's a little bit difficult to see if this is really a, a shoot fight between the two guys, if it's just them, you know, kind of throwing some barbs at each other just because they worked side by side together. We don't really know at this point. Yeah. I, I forget what it was, but there was another shot sort of veiled shot on SmackDown from Corey too. Um, listen, first off guys don't have to like each other to work together. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been in plenty of locker rooms. I've seen plenty of matches with guys who don't like each other, but can be professional about it. Uh, Booker T is let, let's, let's be honest. Booker T is not going to beat the shit out of Corey Graves because Booker T still gets a paycheck from WWE and still wants to get a paycheck from WWE. And assaulting one of their employees is not a way to do that. Um, Also, you know, I have a feeling Corey Graves could hold his own if he had to. 
I'm just going to throw that let's, out there. Let's not forget both former wrestlers. So Yeah, exactly. It's not, Corey, uh, Corey Graves is not Jonathan Coachman. And right? Corey Graves is also a bit younger than Booker T. That's true as well. Yeah, we don't we don't know what Booker's book is hiding underneath that 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 outfit. We know what Corey Graves is, and it's a pretty chiseled physique. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see if anything else comes with it. I doubt anything will because you know, like you said, Booker. You know, Booker is one of those guys that he does have that kind of old school mentality. You know, of in the locker room, obviously we know. The, the whole story between him and the young bucks and and the, the what his conceived lack of respect you know I could see him having a little bit of that with with Corey as well just because Corey doesn't seem like the the kind of brown noser that some other people might be uh, and plus Corey, you know Corey seems to be a guy in real life that likes to push buttons so you know both sides of it you can see potentially you know there might be some friction there but like you said, you know, not everybody that wrestles each other in that ring are friends with each other. Not everybody that works in the announce booth together are friends with each other. Right. And to me, this this reeks of, of sort of a, a little bit of a work. And I, and I say that because Booker T cannot be fucking stupid enough to really think that Corey Graves has the power to get him kicked off of Raw. We go, listen, we go into this all the time when we talk about the Cena stuff. Uh, with guys like Adam on the show who are sort of monumentally anti-Cena and, oh, Cena buried the Nexus. I always go back to the same fucking thing. Vince McMahon fired Hulk Hogan. Vince Mm -hmm. McMahon fired Bret Hart. Do you really, really fucking think, in, in, in that brain that rattles around in there, people, do you really fucking think that Vince McMahon is going to do something that he doesn't think is best for business simply because Corey Graves doesn't like it? Simply because John Cena doesn't like it? No. These things, these guys, as much as they may earn him money and he treats them accordingly, but they're toys to him. They're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. If this guy goes, I'll get the next guy. That's how Vince has always functioned. So Vince is not doing something he doesn't think is the best is in the best interest of his company simply to placate somebody. So that's why I don't buy any of this shit because Booker T's been there long enough and is smart enough to know that. Also, Booker T was brought in as a part-time replacement until David Otunga returned. And then they realized that Otunga isn't worth a shit anymore and they replaced the replacement of Otunga with Jonathan Coachman. So it wasn't like Booker T was brought in to be a full-time under contract commentator for the foreseeable future. He was brought in saying, you're going to do this for a couple of weeks until Otunga's done finished, done with his movie. And then he's going to take back over for you. And then David Otunga, you know, had his whole issues with his, his wife. And all of a sudden WWE's like, Oh wait, that's the only reason that we had you on in the first place because you had a famous wife. So I don't think we need you anymore. And turned around and said, all right, see ya. So, yeah, I, you know, and you you got to think, too, you know, Booker will probably be on the, be on the pre-show of the next pay-per-view. I wonder if he and, kicked Otunga off the pre-show now. Oh, there you go. Maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, it's, it is what it is. Go ahead. Although this does beg the question, uh, two weeks in now, what are your impressions of Coachman on this announced team? Doesn't seem to have missed that much of a step. Really? Uh, okay. He's to me. He's to me. I've never been a big Jonathan Coachman fan, so uh, to me, it's kind of business as usual with him. So uh, I, I think he. I think here's the thing for me. 
uh, is that I, I Coachman. So so on this broadcast team, you have Michael Cole, your straight arrow play by play guy. You have Corey Graves, who's playing the heel, sort of the Bobby Heenan type of heel. And then you have Coachman, who's coming in, and he's also now playing a heel. Nobody's playing the face on Raw on the Raw announce team. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll go with you on that. And Coachman has never really been a face commentator. No, so. he's good at being a heel commentator. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that you might need to you know shuffle Corey to just SmackDown or shuffle Coachman to just SmackDown. Uh, you know, maybe I would say with uh, Corey. Yeah, yeah, you can't move Coachman. Yeah, that's true. So I think I think <laughs> that you need to. I think you do need to uh, to shuffle you know Corey to just being on one show, and if you kind of make him the voice of SmackDown, I think then you know it differentiates the brands a little bit more because having look, uh, I love Corey, but having Corey on both brands doesn't feel right. No. When they're trying, especially when like we're going to be getting in after Mania and stuff like that, we're going to be getting back into the whole like brand against brand shit again mm-hmm. and if you got Corey Graves showing up on both shows being like get him Smackdown when he's on Smackdown and get him Raw when he's on Raw that does, doesn't make any sense well that's what we had last time last for Survivor Series but, that is true um, also let, let me just throw out this novel fucking concept how about we just go back to two man booths uh, I am I'm always for this I think that if you turned around and had Cole and Coachman on Raw and have Corey and Tom Phillips on SmackDown, you'd be fine. Yes. Uh, if you had Cole and Corey on Raw and Coachman and Phillips on SmackDown, I think you'd be great too. Yeah. I, I have no issues with that. I, but you, on on each team, you have guys who are just uh, they're just there. They're ex- they're accessories. They're not yep. necessary. They don't. There's too many voices, and I say this as somebody who spent a good chunk of his time working in wrestling as a play-by-play announcer. The more guys in the booth, the harder it is to do the job. Right. Especially when you, you have, you know, like in SmackDown, where sometimes Vic Joseph is there, sometimes he's not, it does make it kind of difficult to get the flow of it, too, when the guy that you're sitting next to changes on a, on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, too. So, all right, but let's uh, let's get, get uh, continue to get moving here. Uh, you brought him up before. Uh, we had the main event of Raw was a triple threat match between Elias, John Cena, and uh, Braun Strowman for who would be the sixth entrant in the chamber. First, now in terms of the match, I really enjoyed it. In terms of the idea of knowing who the last last person is in in the chamber. Not a huge fan of it because it takes away a little bit of that when there's down to two guys and you're like, yeah. which one? Which one's going to be next? But whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, in in a very physical match between these three guys, Elias was able to sneak out a win and pin John Cena, and the crowd definitely enjoyed it. Stole, definitely, stole the win from Strowman, basically. Yeah, stole the win from Strowman because yeah, so uh, Strowman got. Uh, AA'd onto the steel steps because it's a triple threat match, no disqualification, of course. Um, and then, as Cena was, Cena did a great job of playing up the fact that he was so exhausted from picking up the big motherfucker that he could he could barely even do his five knuckle shuffle. But when he attempted to, out of nowhere, Braun Strowman gets back in the ring. I, uh, go ahead. Just by the way you said that, are you one of those people that doesn't like the concept of the no disqualification because it's a triple threat match? No, I think I, I think that it's often 
forgotten by the talent. Okay. That there is no disqualification of Triple Okay, because I listened to a podcast where someone was really bitching about that this week, and it's sort of like, okay, well, if they disqualified Elias, who do you want them to award the match to? Because there were two other guys. Like, you legitimately can't have a disqualification. No. The or only a countout. The only thing that, well, see, that's the thing. Could you have a countout if two people were outside the ring? I suppose, if you want to. Yeah, see, yeah. I would love to see that one of these times. Be like, well, we're going to award it to him because the other two guys are getting counted out. Anyways, so yeah. Um, you know, Braun, Braun takes out Cena. Then Elias is able to whip him out of the ring. Gets the pin. Immediately gets destroyed by Braun Strowman then. Uh, and of course the crowd with a little get these hands. And yes. Braun just kind of destroys everybody. Braun also, the, the look when he put one leg over the ropes was just like, no, no, I'm not done. And got back in. That was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we are. It's too bad Vince are, McMahon can't develop good characters anymore, huh? It's, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are, we are firmly in the era that John Cena has turned into, uh, Chris Jericho. He comes in and puts he over takes guys. takes credit for everybody else's ideas? No, not that aspect of him. Uh, I was talking more about the fact that he, you know, it has no problem taking pins, so much so that this it didn't feel as big as it should have been. It felt a little bit like well, this is just a new normal now. Cena just comes in and, and eats pins. Yeah, because because Elias beating John Cena should have been a big deal, and to me it just felt like oh Elias beat John Cena. That's cool. Yeah, he only he, the only person he doesn't eat pins for is Baron Corbin. Cause that's true. But that that makes sense. Yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, you don't you don't want to you don't want to have a Fandango situation on your hands. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Elias gets gets a big spot there. Um, clearly, we know who's winning that match, but you know we do. It's well, you know, it's it's most likely Roman Reigns. Well, I mean, to be uh, fair, we were, we were led to believe going into it that Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins were going to be in it, and that's clearly not going to happen. So. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Mr. Well, we know uh, Seth isn't going to be in there because he's not in the match yeah. next week. So Right. Uh, Mr. Jason Jordan, we did find out, is out indefinitely after a very minimally evasive neck procedure. So Yeah, and I cringe. Uh, and I don't, I, I, to me, that's almost an oxymoron. Minimally mm. invasive neck procedure. Whenever a professional athlete has to have a neck procedure, there's nothing minimal about it. It's right. It, it's risky, it's dangerous, uh, it can have long-term effects. Just ask Paige. Um, yeah. it, once you have that first neck surgery, you become instantly more susceptible to future neck problems, uh, and, and that's something you worry about for sure. Right. Um, you know, the way I look at it is... Did you did you take a knife and cut the dude's neck open? Because that seems pretty invasive. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, it's an here's another guy, twenty nine year old dude, and now you start to worry. You know, is is this going to be a very short career for him? Uh, especially when you hear things like you know the neck injury is causing him issues with grip, because that turns into a very severe nerve in, uh, uh, issue, and. We've had quite a few wrestlers who have, you know, no longer who no longer wrestle, such as Daniel Bryan, because of nerve issues and neck issues. Mm, Daniel Bryan's is more of a concussion issue, but Edge is a great example. Edge for sure. Obviously, you know, Kurt Angle is not a full time wrestler anymore because of his history of neck injuries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Sting is another guy who, yep. you know, got his neck exploded. 
Which is why you hear rumors of Seamus with spinal stenosis and you just cringe and Yeah. Yeah. At least at least with Shea- yes, Seamus is still somewhat of a younger guy, but at least he's had a pretty full career that you could say, ah, if he's gotta hang it up, you know, he's he's a future Hall of Famer. Yes yes it's terrible, but you know, Jason Jordan has a long career ahead of him, we right. hope. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, Which is weird yeah. though, because his wife went on Twitter and said all the reports of his injury were fake news, and then a day later he's having neck surgery. So uh, yeah, hmm. well it's well it was minimally evasive. So when you can't trust wrestlers' wives on Twitter, who can you trust, really? I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> uh, so speaking of someone I'd love to make my wife, um, you have here as Alexa Bliss turning face, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make you explain it, but first I'm going to comment on Kurt Angle here. Maybe we needed Steph for this announcement because <laughs> Kurt was not good at all during his announcement. Once he was talking with Alexa Bliss, he was fine. His announcement of who was in the elimination chamber was god awful. Uh, he, go ahead. Women's champion, former women's champion Bailey. So that's number one. Number two was he called it a WWE Network pay per view. Not the same thing, uh, and yeah, he did not. Uh, he did not breathe. He did not let it breathe to give reactions to the different people. He just kept kind of plowing through it, and then instantly after the Sasha Banks thing, he's like, "You may notice a lack of Nia Jax, but I've got plans for Nia Jax," and him just clumsily explains if Nia. He's like, "Nia, you know, if 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 Asuka loses, she'll still be going against." Alexa, or the the Raw champion, but if Nia wins, but Oscar hasn't chosen who she's fucking facing no, yet. That was the other thing too. Was I was like, wait, did did Oscar say she was doing that? Because that's weird. Yeah, no, that was very weird. And then at one point, he just forgot the fucking name Elimination Chamber, uh, and then had to stop, laugh, repeat it, and then say, "I got it that time." So yeah, yeah, it was. It was not good. No, it was not Kurt's finest work. Um, Almost to the point that you wonder what's going on with Kurt, because he wasn't this bad at promos in TNA. Um, He was actually pretty good, old school, felt like old Kurt Angle cutting promos. I don't know what happened to him in the meantime, between when he left TNA and when he came back to WWE, because he's completely forgotten how to work a microphone at this point. It's it's really strange. Yeah. I don't know if there's a case of, you know, him al- allowed to be unscripted before and now he's really scripted or, or what exactly it is because, yeah, it, it seems very odd. Like I said, once once Alexa Bliss came out there and they started kind of going back and forth, he seemed a lot more smooth. Yeah. It's just – but, like, this is a guy who gave so many good promos of just himself in the ring, so you can't even really say it's all he – you know, he just doesn't have anyone to play off of because – we we have the footage. I have the network. Right. I can watch. I can watch him give good promos. Um, well, and I also love the part where Alexa just fucking left. Like Kurt was in the middle yeah. of talking still. She's like, "All right, fuck this. I'm gone." Also, um, you you you'll have to correct me if this is something that she does, and I just didn't realize it. But I thought it was the women's revolution. Why does she call it the women's evolution? It it goes it goes back and forth. Okay, I, I've heard him refer to it as both. Um, as for the face turn, and maybe you missed this part. 
Uh, on Raw, we also got a one-on-one contest between Sonya Deville and Mickey James, uh, which was actually fairly entertaining match. Uh, some stiff shots in there. Sonya's still a little green, still needs a little work, but all things considered, I enjoyed the match. Uh, post-match, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville were beating down uh, Mickey James uh, with Paige in the corner, uh, only for Mickey to be saved by Alexa Bliss pulling her out of the ring and helping her up the ramp. Um, so much so that at several points, Mickey stopped and looked at her like, what the fuck are you doing helping me? Uh, so it almost seemed like maybe Alexa's doing the face turn. Well, I think when you think about who's going to face her, you know, at WrestleMania, you do have to figure they want to do a heel versus a face and, She's kind of beaten all the faces, you know, and you've even said it yourself. You don't you're not really looking forward to a Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, you know, match again. So turning her face, you know, would would make it so that if, you know, they do have her go against Nia, who, you know, is still kind of a heel, it would make a little more sense. Um, But, yeah, here's the interesting thing, though. How the fuck do we get there? Because. Nia's clearly not going to beat Asuka. Let's, I mean, let's just... Uh, spoiler alert, if you will. Uh, yeah. Asuka's not losing the undefeated streak before WrestleMania. Okay? Mm. Um, I, I, probably not there either. That said, Asuka's probably going to choose to wrestle Charlotte at WrestleMania because that's the match yeah. that makes the most sense. Um, so how does... So if, if Nia wins... She gets the match. She gets into the title match at WrestleMania. But if she loses, but Asuka doesn't take the match with Alexa, then Nia gets the match with Alexa because she lost to... I I don't fucking know what they're doing here. I think we're going straight Undertaker-Shane McMahon rules here. And we're, uh, you know, we're just going and Pretending shit didn't happen. Yeah, I think we'll probably do like a, a you know number one contenders thing on a raw or something like that. But you know we'll see. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some clarity soon. Yeah, we may, maybe we'll get some clarity. Uh, keeping it locked down with the women here, Bailey faced Asuka in her weird thong tights, uh, in a match on Raw. The two of them put on a great fucking show, mm-hmm. and the crowd sat on their hands. Yeah, and, and to me this was stark and striking because, first off, we know what Asuka's streak is. They did a great little backstage promo with Sasha watching her match with Asuka, sort of like, oh my god, I can't believe I blew that. Uh, and Bailey sort of asking her for pointers, and Sasha clearly upset, not wanting to help her. And then Bailey basically saying, I can beat Asuka, you know, like you didn't. Like, there's clear, they're clearly building friction between the two. And I love it. I think it, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, and I think at one point Bailey said, I've beaten you. So <laughs> they're definitely yeah. going there. Um, referencing, obviously, their NXT history again, which I love. Um, but the problem is you got into the match and they put on this great match. And at one point, Bailey had a really good near fall. It was a really good false finish. And the crowd didn't buy it at all. No. No one in this audience thought for a single fucking second that Bailey might actually beat Asuka. That was not the case with Sasha Banks. 
There were people that bought into her false finishes that thought they might actually have Sasha Banks go over on Asuka. Not one person fucking believed Bailey was winning that match, and that is a problem for Bailey. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, if it's the case of the Goldberg streak, you know, where where a lot of guys are just like, there's no fucking way they're gonna do it, um, or if it is just one of those kinds of kinds of things where Bailey has fallen so far out of grace that yeah, nobody nobody looks at her as a serious contender anymore. Um, either way, yeah, it it was kind of sad because this is exactly what you know, the women's revolution, evolution, whatever you want to call it, is all about, is giving the women time to put on great matches. And this match should have been one that should have been hot because it was it was so well, such good storytelling to it, you know, very, very good booking, very good action, everything like that. I, for one, I liked it. I watched the match. I was like, this is really fucking good. Yeah. You know. Um, Throw back to their NXT matches. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sad, but you know, maybe I I do feel that there's still hope for Bailey. Um, at this point, I would kind of like to see her go over to SmackDown and get a fresh start because it's it's not working right right now what they're doing. I'm I'm not I'm not one who is calling for a heel turn for her because I don't know that she's going to be any better at a heel. In the face, but I, I feel like we keep saying things like that. But how did that fresh start work out for Sami Zayn for a year? It how, took a while. How's that it fresh took, start working out for the New Day? Do they feel any fresher or newer? Um, you know, fresh start for Charlotte. Eh, pretty much still where she yeah. was. I, yeah. Again, so, I mean, people talk about this fresh start of moving to SmackDown. SmackDown has the issue right now of so much talent that they can't get them on the fucking show because they only have yeah. two hours. Um, and again, it's the same writing staff. It all goes through Vince. Right. So if Vince didn't believe in you to to put the rocket on you on Raw, he's not going to believe in you to put the rocket on you on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, and it really was a, was the heel turn that turned Sammy into a main eventer. So yeah, and you know, even maybe... then, he's on the fringe of the main eventer status. I mean, he's sort of there tagging along with KO. Yeah, and and you know we'll. We'll kind of talk about it, and, and we'll go ahead and bridge right into it right now. You know, uh, Kevin and Sammy did put on another great fucking show. Um, I'm now convinced these two could have amazing matches blindfolded. Can can we even can we talk about the fact that I don't know if there's ever been a, a KO and Sammy match that hasn't been great? <laughs> I can't because, make one. Because, yeah, these two dudes just, I mean. It's almost this, as good as Kevin's matches with that El Generico guy. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's so weird. He's got he gets he just gets these this chemistry with certain guys. Um and this was another one where it's like there was great reversals and and them going back and forth. Um the finish to the match had to be what it was because we had to get to, you know, to to what to the booking of the match. So obviously, you know, AJ Styles Sammy got in AJ's face and AJ turned his chair away from Sammy. And in, a, in a, a, another perfect booking thing where sometimes your heels need to be correct, you know, and, and have a legitimate beef on things, Sammy turned him back around and was like, you look at me when I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. So AJ got up, hit Sammy into Kevin, and then proceeded to hit Kevin, you know, um, and and do a nice, nice little leap onto the two of them. And, and this set up that we're going to have 
a triple threat match. Kevin, Sammy, and AJ Styles. Now, obviously, I think that we have all pretty much determined what is going to, to happen at WrestleMania for that, that for AJ. Uh, you know, AJ and Shinsuke seems to be the direction they're going on, but this is a nice little feud to keep, you know, Kevin and Sammy together. Um, I don't know if this is the breakup once they do they have the triple threat uh, or if they turn around and after they, they both lose to AJ, kind of go on their way. And, you know, there was a time that you would think, well, Sammy's only in this match to take the pin, but mm-hmm. you could conceivably think that Sammy gets kind of made strong here and Kevin is the one that takes the pin. Um, so here's... Yes, I think I think AJ wins this match, and I think they're continuing the storyline. Correct me, and, and you can tell me how you feel on this. I feel like this storyline essentially exists solely to build a Shane and Daniel Bryan story. Um, I feel like that's where most of the attention in this rivalry has been placed, uh, and that was in evidence once again on SmackDown as the, it opened with a promo with Shane complaining about it. Now, here was the thing I found interesting. In that promo... Shane made an explicit point to say, I understand that you're frustrated you can't wrestle. And bringing that up on television, um, to me, was weird. And I understand, I, you know, occasionally I get you know, locked into that tinfoil hat, you know, grouping that still thinks Daniel Bryan's coming back. But everything they're doing on TV is gearing towards something with Daniel Bryan. Uh, we're coming up on Mania season. He himself has said if he's not back in the ring by Mania, he probably won't be. Uh, the cards are in place for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Shane and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. We don't have any program for KO or, Sh- or Sami unless it's against each other for WrestleMania as of right now. You know, there's a whole lot of smoke here. Yeah, I and I get what you're saying there. But a year ago, we were talking about a whole lot of smoke with The Miz and Daniel Bryan, and The Miz was bringing up the fact that okay. Daniel Bryan was upset he couldn't wrestle. Okay, can I just say one thing, though? Mm-hmm. That was born of something that happened on Talking Smack, which is not scripted by Vince McMahon. It's not, I mean, The Miz has gone on TV and basically said that was he was pissed off that day. They had sort of worked out, hey, we're going to get into it a little bit, and he sort of overshot his mouth a little bit. And then they just decided to run with it from there. That wasn't a planned booking decision. What they're doing right now is a planned booking decision. Okay. So it is a little bit different. Fair enough. Fair enough. What are your thoughts? Do you think think Daniel Bryan, this this is building towards something for Mania? I I still feel... um... With the fact that we're, you know, looking at, you know, Paige never wrestling again, I still feel like that Daniel Bryan will not wrestle in WWE. Oh, it's a different thing, though. It's not a neck issue. It's a concussion issue, which he's been cleared by every, basically every physician he's seen except the WWE ones. Yeah, but I think that, uh, especially with the CM Punk lawsuit, that WWE needs to stand by their doctors, and I think that they will. Um, so... I just to to me it just doesn't feel like you know Daniel is ever going to get back in the ring uh, uh, with a WWE contract. I know that they talk about you know how how much money he can make and stuff like that, but you know it's it's still the case of you know he's he's a little bit of a liability. But what was Paige then? What 
What was Paige? Well, I mean, Paige... They, What's the you difference know, she... between putting Paige back in the ring and putting Daniel Bryan back in the ring? Because to me, of the two, Paige is much more of a risk. If you're telling me Sheamus is wrestling with spinal stenosis, to me that's a far bigger risk than Daniel Bryan wrestling with a concussion. What, what I, when I say a risk, I mean publicity-wise. Because the concussion thing is a far bigger issue in sports and in WWE than somebody wrestling with some issues with their spine or their neck. You know, if Dan Bryan goes out there and becomes a vegetable in the middle of the ring because of his head, there's a huge backlash, a huge media blow up about the fact that here's another guy with a concussion problem. Okay. It's the Chris, it's the Chris Benoit thing. It's the, the NFL thing. But you know, if CTE. he's medically cleared by doctors who say there isn't a risk, that he has no more of a risk than anyone else does in that sport, don't you sort of have the out? Like, it seems to me that they're being overly cautious for caution's sake. A guy wants to wrestle. He's got doctors, independent doctors, who have cleared him, who have told him that you have, I would never have known you had concussions looking at your brain if you hadn't told me you did. I guess, I mean, it's it's hard to say because we don't have all the information. Um, you know, I, I obviously look at it as the WWE doctor is somebody who specifically looks at what they're going to be doing in the ring, whereas maybe other independent doctors might not be as aware of what happens in a wrestling ring, maybe. I don't know. It's a lot of speculation I can make on my part on... You know, are they are they saying that you're cleared to you know take bumps, but not thinking like this guy is probably going to get hit in the head every fucking five minutes? I don't know. Uh, either way, like I said, I'm I'm still sticking with the fact that I don't believe it's going to happen. Could it could it happen? Of course, but I I personally don't believe that we'll see him back in the ring. All right, I will see. Yep, we definitely will. Um, but moving right along here, we'll talk about. Uh, um, Another surprising good match, uh, two surprisingly good matches. We had Apollo Crews take on, was it The Miz? Yes. Yes. Take on The Miz, uh, kind of rekindling that kind of failed rivalry that they had over the IC belt a while ago. Um, Crews continued to show that not only is he incredibly gifted, uh, but he also can actually put on a good match. And obviously, you know, The Miz is a guy who can get a good match with a lot of people. Um, but we also had a really good match between Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns, considering that we haven't really seen much out of Bray Wyatt lately. Yep. Yeah, these, Wyatt and Reigns have just really good chemistry in the ring together. Um, and again, with Wyatt, the issue has never been sort of the in-ring performance. The issue has been the character development. We talked a lot about on this episode about character development versus in-ring performance, I feel. Uh, but... With Bray Wyatt, it's just the promos and the storytelling that's really suffered because they've sort of tried to go too over-the-top, ridiculous cult leader with him to the point where they've damaged the character. Like, you don't understand what he's saying. You don't care. You know at the end of the day he's going to lose the feud because he's never been booked strong. Right. Um, and it's just you sort of people lost interest. But he was never a bad in-ring performer. But on Monday, I sort of feel like a lot of people – we're put in the spot to go, oh, yeah, this guy's really fucking good. Like, <laughs> his match with Roman was really good. And it's another stark reminder because, again, and I say it all the time, to you assholes chanting, you can't wrestle at Roman Reigns, 
please tell me the last bad Roman Reigns match you saw. Because I can't think of one. Um, <laughs> oh, self self plug. I was totally expecting Roman Reigns' first WWE match on NXT Revisited this past week to be terrible. It was not terrible. And so I, I, I would even say all the way back into his first NXT match against CJ Parker, he hasn't really had a bad match. You know, say what you will about, about the match with The Undertaker, but he was wrestling a literal fucking corpse in the ring. So, but <laughs> even that, he still put on a good performance and got probably the best out of out of Undertaker that anybody could have got. Right. Um, yeah, and people talk about Roman not deserving the spot he's in. Fuck that. This guy deserves to be one of the top guys in the company. He is one of the best characters and performers you have right now, today. Well, not to mention the fact he hasn't been on top of Raw for right. the, the for quite a while either. Yep. We've we've seen him kind of take a bet, you know, with with him reuniting with the Shield, he kind of took a back seat into you know that. Obviously, he's been kind of toiling around the mid card with you know the IC belt and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, both of us and and a lot of people are saying that he's going to yet again be propelled into the main event, but that's okay yep. because we 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 got a reprieve from it. He hasn't he hasn't been in the main event this entire fucking time. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for what we saw of it at WrestleMania, and I really don't mind seeing it again because we haven't yeah. seen it in two years. Plus, it's a it's a little bit of a different Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the same Brock Lesnar. But look, I don't care if it's Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar again for the title. I just want that fucking title back on Raw. Right. Because even Alexa Bliss brought up the fact that Brock Lesnar is not going to be at the pay per view. And he has defended his title more recently than Alexa has. That is true. And that was that that was what that was why it was okay that she said it was because right. yes, you know, as a heel, you want to have a modicum of truth compiled with some bullshit. Right. And that's and that's perfectly what she did. Yes, it's true. Brock Lesnar is not defending his his belt at Elimination Chamber, but it's also true that Alexa Bliss hasn't defended the belt since TLC. So, you know, yeah, that was that was perfectly done on that. And yes, like I said, I just want to see Raw have an actual champion again. If it's if it's Roman Reigns, that's fine. I don't care because then what's going to happen is now Roman Reigns has that belt, and if he faces Braun Strowman, you actually feel like there's a good chance Braun will win it. You know, yeah. Roman Reigns is a guy who you feel like could drop the belt, whereas Brock Lesnar is a guy that you're like, there's no fucking way Brock, Brock is dropping the belt at Survivor Series. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So our last bit of business here is Rusev Day had a match against the Glorious One. Uh, it was a really good match. Bob Rude. Bob Rude, yep. I like this. Uh, that's another little subtle thing Russo's doing now. He's just calling people, like he called uh, Jim Uso. Yep, he did, <laughs> yeah, he called him Jim Uso, yeah. Jim Uso, Bob Roode, I just kind of like that he's doing that. It's one of those yeah. little subtle things he does that I just find really enjoyable. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Rusev, um, in, in another match that Bobby kind of snuck out a win, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of Bobby's M.O. so far, is that a lot of his matches he kind of gets dominated and then sneaks out a win at the end. Um, this time he did did actually hit the glorious DDT, but... You know, it's like it's like one reversal and Bobby capitalizes and wins. Yeah. Uh, 
which is fine. It tells a good story. Um, and then after this match, Randy Orton showed up <laughs> and RKO'd everybody. And I'm, I'm, it's so odd to say, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm, I'm interested in what is going on right now with Orton. Because well, he's, he's number nine on the SmackDown top ten list. He's looking to yeah. move up. He wants to get past yeah. Naomi. That's true. Uh, it's it's a really weird thing they're doing right now, where he's just fucking RKOing everybody on the roster. Yeah. Um, and he he did not differentiate between heel and face here. He just RKO'd everybody. And he does it in his gear, which I think is just professional. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did. I, I was a little distracted during this match because the ghost of Chris Jericho was on at ringside the entire time. Um, but, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good match and then followed up by kind of a question of what the fuck are they doing with Randy Orton right now? Because this, this feels like it's leading to, to something here. Uh, cause yeah, he just comes out, RKO's everybody mugs for the camera and he's just like, I'm gone. So yeah. 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 I don't know. I, maybe he's still got those laser eyes from the Bray Wyatt feud. Maybe he's still like possessed. That's 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 very possible. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. To me, this was Bobby Roode's best match on the main roster so far. Uh, I thought it was really good. I thought these two had really good chemistry together. I thought they worked well together. I thought they had good false finishes. I thought they told a good story. Rusev sort of almost getting the accolade in a bunch of times. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and if you want to get uh, a good gauge of Bobby Roode's popularity, just look at the fact that you know, as fucking over. As Rusev Day is, this crowd was split right down the middle pretty much. It sounded like they both had pretty much a fair share of support in this crowd, uh, which means a lot of people who were chanting Rusev Day at Shane McMahon, which I thought was so great because it was so loud he had to fucking acknowledge it uh, with the duly noted. Um, I, I thought the fact that he was that over but, but Bobby Roode was still getting half the cheers spoke volumes to Bobby Roode. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And I liked the little, like, word, the bouncing ball of the words of Rusev Day. I thought that was a cool little touch, too. Yeah, yeah. Just a fun um, little thing. I, I'm sure which, on the SmackDown graphics, I'll give him credit for that one. I thought that was good. Which I think uh, will go ahead and lead us into our new segment. Uh, so uh, we've decided... Uh, I took the like... liberty of adding one. Sorry, guys. Yep. So, so both of us have come up this week with a projected SmackDown graphics of the future. Uh, now mine has a little bit of story behind it on how I want it to actually go down. Okay. So why we should we ahead? should we should clarify before we get started for those who don't know. A couple weeks ago, they debuted these really fucking awful graphics packages on SmackDown. Uh, in fact, I was a little disappointed Nakamura didn't wrestle this week because I wanted to see if we got Rockstar flying across yeah. the screen again. Uh, the Usos had jail gates close around their promos a couple times. Like it was really awful shit. So we're going to try to run with it and come up with some goofy shit that they could do in the future. So, All right. So like I said, since I got a little bit of story, why don't you go ahead and present yours? Well, mine is fairly simple. I just think as the Bludgeon Brothers come down, when they flash the name Bludgeon Brothers, uh, you just have a sledgehammer come down from either side and flatten the name. All right. I'm, a, I'm 100% for it. Um, just as long as it's like clip art bad sledgehammers. Oh yeah, it has to be, yes. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm thinking like sledgehammers with a smiley face. Oh, there you go. Sort of like the paper clip you used to get in office. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so mine has a little bit of a setup. Alright, so so next week, let's say we have a match um, where 
Shinsuke Nakamura defeats Mojo Rawley. And he's up in the corner post and he's posing. And he looks over and he sees that they're, they're showing him on the screen. And what flashes across the screen is RKO out of nowhere. And he turns around and he sees Randy Orton coming into the ring. And Randy Orton stops and goes, oh, shit. And he goes, stupid, stupid, stupid production, stupid production. <laughs> and just gets out of the ring and leaves. <laughs> see, I when I, when I read that, I'm envisioning, like, you see the RKO and on the big screen. And the guy goes, oh, shit. And turns around and eats it. And then it just, like, shakes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, Yes, but I but I I can't help but make a stupid Kofi joke every chance I get. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but yeah, I I fully believe that eventually we will see RKO out of nowhere show up on the screen, and Randy Orton will RKO the RKO out of nowhere out of the screen. Oh, that's 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 <laughs> very meta. Yes, yes, I'm all for it. Uh, so with that, I think that uh, we're ready to go ahead and uh, present with you some of you indie dates before we wrap it up here. So let's start off with the NWL, the National Wrestling League, as they head to St. Joseph, Missouri, Friday, February 9th. That is tomorrow. Join them at the St. Joseph Army National Guard at 6 p.m. Showtime is at 7. Child ticket pricing is not available at ringside, but I guess you could bring them. Just don't cry when they get hit in the soft spot. The main event will be a match between the spirit of NWL champion Jeremy Wyatt against Fuego del Sol. Did you ever watch the show Dexter? Yes. Okay, when you read this description, I just have flashbacks to like when Dexter's wife got killed and the baby was just sitting in a puddle of blood. Yeah, there you go. That's sort of what I, th- I think of every yeah. time you do this read. Yeah. Think of that every time <laughs> that you think that you want to bring your children to ringside. <laughs> the Howlets will face off against the besties in the world. Niles Plunk attempts to take on Jack Foster. Michael Strider faces the Mile High Holy Magnum shit. Dak Draper. Yes. Sorry. All right. Thomas Shire will take on, on Thor Terrio. And Rashid Ali takes on Shane Sanders. I'm just a I big know... fan of Niles Plonk. I'm looking forward to that match with Jack Foster. Oh, so. Fair enough. Yep. Head over to nwleague.com for tickets and more. And tickets are on sale now for the Bruce City Wrestling Aftermath as we start a new chapter on Saturday, February 17th. We move to a bigger, better venue. It's also on the bus line of Waukesha, Wisconsin. <laughs> So they're heading to the Elks Lodge, number 400. And bell time is 7.30. Doors up at 6.45. Tickets are $20 reserve. Ringside $60 advance pre-sale on BruceCityWrestling1.com or $80 at the door. We will have a special meet and greet with WWE legend Native American Tatanka and wrestling legend Kevin Sullivan at 6.15. The cost of that is $10. All ages are welcome. Uh, Hopefully they told Kevin Sullivan that. Already signed, (laughs) Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship match between... Max Holiday and Tokyo Monster, Monster Kahagas. WWE legend Native American Tatanka will be in action against Rage Mitch Blake. Uh, we will have the special guest of the legend, legend Kevin Sullivan. Shooter Scott Marciano will take on Derek St. Holmes. Roadhouse James Vincent takes on High Octane Onyx Andretti. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information. And more Fandomony matches will be announced soon, so make sure to follow them on Twitter at BCW1 as well as Facebook, Bruce City Wrestling 1. 
All right, and our friends over at Lucky Pro Wrestling present Homecoming on Saturday, February 24th at the Elks Hall, 128 School Street in Clinton, Massachusetts. Tickets for this event are just $15, or you can get a four-pack for 50 Doors open at 6.30 p.m. with a special champions photo op with the fans in the ring before the event. All the champions of LPW will be there. It is free. Bring your own camera. The live wrestling will start at 7.30 p.m. So far announced for this card, the LPW Heavyweight Championship on the line is the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo with Jillian Lee defends the title against Kenny Dykstra, formerly of the Spirit Squad. Uh, the LPW Women's Championship going to be on the line as Adira, the champion, defends against Rosalie. Special challenge match will feature Davian versus Alicia Edwards from Impact Wrestling. Sweat Boy Christopher James with Danica takes on the unequaled one Todd Sopel. The Aristocrats Tomahawk and Zachary Pierre Ballou go in a tag team contest against Anthony Stone and the Riot Kellen Thomas. The LPW Tag Team Championships will be defended as the Heat, Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova defend their belts against Anthony Green and Scotty Slade, the horsemen of LPW. The LPW Hard Knocks champion will be defending his title. That's Brick Mastone. You're going to see fabulous Johnny Vegas in action. All that plus much more. We mentioned the champion's photo op. All that can be, all of that can be given to you if you visit LPW. Nope. <laughs> What's that? LPW's homecoming event on Saturday, February 24th. For more information, go to LuckyProWrestling.com. Uh, and there's some HTML stuff you don't need to worry about there. Uh, <laughs> tickets are on sale at the One Stop Shop on High Street in Clinton. Is there is there a joke to be made about Clinton and High Street there? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Just don't inhale. That's right. ICW Milwaukee is, head, is live Sunday, February 25th. And where the- are they coming from? Where are they going to be, Troy? At the La Pica Lounge. Yes! The Drunk Uncle and ICW present the first ever Bills Mafia death match. What? So far, the only thing that we have what is the, the ICW. Fuck is that? Well, I'm about to explain that. The that? ICW Ultimate Tag Team Infinity Gauntlet match. <laughs> as <laughs> Yep. As the No Man Movement, Marman and Jax defend the titles against seven other teams. Those teams are as follows Evil Shadows 2.0, Station Shadows and Sierra. High-class villains, Mo Foley and Rock King. Straight Hatred, Cato and Jekyll Blackwell. Is that Cato that used to live in OJ's guest house? I doubt it. I think okay. he's dead. Just Pitbull, Zach McGowan, and Jacob Hoffman. Zach Agent- McGuire! Zach <laughs> fucking <laughs> McGuire! Zach McGuire, sorry. Sorry, Zach McGuire. I feel like if I changed it to Zach McGowan, you would say Zach McGuire. That's possible. That's possible. <laughs> Hey, uh, Zach, come on come on the rundown sit-down for us and, and, and go ahead and tell me off. AC Riley oh, and God. Shooter Scott Marciano, the Holy Players Sean Priest and Jay Cash, and the Bootcat Bitch Garrison Creed and his mystery partner. That was great misspelling there, ICW. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so make sure make sure to join them at the Lapica Lounge. Okay, okay so now i got to ask the question because I was laughing at the beginning. Why the fuck is... A promotion in Milwaukee doing a Bills Mafia death match. Because it's, it's Milwaukee's only R-rated wrestling promotion. Right, but the Bills Mafia is in Buffalo. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I don't, I don't either. 
I'm so I'd... fucking confused. Wrestling is so strange to me. Uh, speaking of strange wrestling, UFO returns to Malden once again for February vacation. Tickets are just $12 and can be purchased at the door, or you can reserve your... Fr- Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that out because I believe front row seats are sold out, but... In case they're not, you can feel free to purchase your tickets at paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon, D-I-L-L-O-N, using the friends and family feature. Plenty of free parking. It is handicapped accessible, and doors will open at 7 p.m. UFC, Bellator, World Series of Fighting Vet, and current CES MMA fighter John Doomsday Howard will be doing a meet-and-greet on behalf of 666 Fightwear. All meet-and-greet fans will need a paid admission ticket to take advantage of the meet-and-greet. There are a couple of different packages, which you can find out uh, when you arrive at the building and decide what you want to do. Uh, so far, announced matches include the main event, the UFO heavyweight champion, the kingpin, Brian Malonis, teams up with the UFO tag team champions, the cool people, as they face Team Picture Perfect, the selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, Perfect, Dan Terry, and the international male, Aaron Amadeus. The dynasty, Bo Douglas, makes his first defense of the UFO United States Championship against the professional Channing Thomas. The heavenly bodies will take on Impact star Falaba and his partner Makua. The Mosh Pit mashup will happen as Slam Dance Tim Lennox, Sully Banger, Big Bear, Bugsy Stone, Ike, Timmy Thunder, Foxy Calvin Campbell, and perhaps many more will be in action. Also, Belmont versus Jocelyn, Dave Yan versus Casey Carlisle, Betty Jex takes on Overt, Connor Davies, and so much more at UFO's February vacation. That is. Did I give a date on that? I believe it's February 21st. <laughs> nope. There's not a date on this show, is it? No, there's, there's not. There's not. not. Also, yeah. also I, I did not change that. That is a misspelling on their website. Which, oh, I, I actually, I think I wrote that. So I oh, you wrote that? Okay. It's possible. All right. I may have wrote it while I was drunk. Fair enough. Hold on. Next. <laughs> Hold on a second. Now I feel like an asshole. Let me find. Hold on one second. All right. Give me a minute here. This is why we. Jason is now looking to make sure that Calvin Campbell's name is not misspelled on the website. No, I'm not making sure that is Foxy <laughs> Calvin Campbell. It is Wednesday, February first. So, I don't know how that wasn't on the the thing that I. I'm sorry. What day was that? Wednesday, February twenty first. Oh, 21st, because you said February 1st at first. It is Wednesday, February 21st (laughs) for UFO's February vacation. I feel like like I should... Bad news, buddy. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I should just do the read again. (laughs) But fuck it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, Wednesday, February 21st, UFO February vacation. For more information, check out UFO Wrestling on Facebook. And there's another one. On Saturday, March 10th, Liberty States Wrestling returns to the John McCarthy Elementary School, 76 Lake Street, Peabody, Massachusetts. Already signed for that event, fabulously unequaled, the team of fabulous Johnny Vegas and the unequaled one, Todd Sopel, will defend their Liberty States Tag Team Championships against the team of Brett Domino and D.L. Hurst. Tickets are just $10 at the door. Doors open at 6.30, and the bell time is at 7 p.m. And Elkmania Promotions will... Elks on fire! Is that why I now read this one? Yep. Just so you can... Yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Elkmania Promotions will kick off... I got their... fucking shtick to do here, Troy. That's what people yep. tune in for. Yep. A four-part <laughs> event series on Saturday, April 28th, 2018. You really don't have anything until April? Jesus Christ. As a nightmare on Bow Street will be unleashed... 
at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks in Beverly, Massachusetts. The event is a fundraiser for the Northeast <laughs> Animal Shelter located in Salem. I'm not going to read the addresses. Why do you keep trying to make me read the addresses? What are you talking about? He, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's located on 347 Highland Avenue. Uh, <laughs> Dick Lane will get his rematch for Jack Kruger's all-star title in the main event. No, that's that's and the that's, street it's on. It's on Dick Lane. That's that's it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, more matches will be announced soon. I hope so, because otherwise it's going to be a really fucking short event. <laughs> Tickets will be on sale starting on Monday, March 5th. That's also a fucking month away. At Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem and Paper Asylum in Beverly. Prices are $10 in advance and $12 at the door. The action on April 28th begins with a 7 p.m. bell time, so don't miss out on all of the great wrestling action for a great cause. Also, this uh, this read has the, the date, April. Like, he must have looked at yours and was like, well, Jason didn't even put a date on his, so I'm just going go, <laughs> to go ahead and put April 28th 37 times in this read. <laughs> oh, God. That's right. That does it for the rundown for this Thursday, February 8th, 2018. And I am too drunk to think of a funny thing for how long it's been since something. But I hope, I hope you're lined up for... Uh, well, it's been seven weeks since we've seen Dolph Ziggler compete on SmackDown. Uh, but that will end next week when he returns for that big match that nobody could give a fuck less about as he takes on Baron Corbin. That's right. That's that's how oh. you think on your feet. Yeah, you I go. hope I hope you're just drunk enough to do an entertaining job with the postscript tonight. Oh shit! I gotta do that again, don't I? <laughs> yep. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail like Sal did at six one seven eight six three sixty nine sixty seven. That's sixty one Rundown seven. If you are, are uh, Zach McGuire, go ahead and leave us a voicemail making fun of me. That's fine. I'm, I deserve it. That's Pitbull, Zach McGuire. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are on Patreon. Be like Mike Smathers and John Venrick. Head over to patreon.com. Such run on wrestling to become a Patreon. Currently, we have two reward levels. The Rundowner, which are $5 a month, grants you one patron-only episode of The Rundown, as well as a brand new feature that we will be rolling out here soon. Advanced. What was that at the Ad- end? But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do have it. All right. Advanced early access to all of our shows on the Rundown feed, other than this one, of course, because we record on Wednesdays. But any of our shows that are recorded earlier, such as Nitromania, NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit Downs, or WrestleMania Salvation, or Glowstick, if that ever comes back. I'm working on it. That's right. You will get those episodes before the rest of the unwashed masses get them. And the other uh, the other level that we have is the is the Rundown Mania, which for $10 a month grants you a go- guest hosting spot in any of our fine Rundown shows, as well as everything that the Rundowner provides as well. And Troy sends dick pics. That's true. They may not be mine. But they're dick pics. Right, they're gonna, he's just basically going to spam you with Seth Rollins' penis shots. Oh, yeah, I definitely am. I definitely am. <laughs> no, he's not going to spam you. I'm just kidding. Check out the slash Unless you want to be spammed with Seth Rollins' dick pics, in which case, put that in the little in the little note on Patreon. I'm sure yeah. he'll be happy to hook you up. Yeah, I will definitely. Check out the slash and send it to him if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts every Monday. 
Go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. Although it's I'm not going to be the Kingpin anymore, apparently. He's going to change his nickname, so we'll have to update that. Mm. Well, you know what? One of these days, they're actually going to uh, mention the fact that there are two hosts of the rundown. <laughs> and actually say my name on there. We'll see. <laughs> They've said your name before. Oh. You've I'm never been on correct. their show. See, that's the thing. Well, they never they never offered. <laughs> Check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his new show, Yes or No Maltz, on Tough TV. Subscribe to the Rundown Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, the Rundown sit-down, this week featuring an interview with independent wrestling manager Trina Michaels. Among other occupations. That's her only occupation currently. Currently, Wrestle- but not, which, not necessarily the only thing she's known for. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be nice here. It's a selling point. We touch on it in the interviews. No secrets there. She, I also used, feel to, like- she, she used to be an adult film star. Now she's a wrestling manager. I also feel like you purposely say touched on as much as possible when you mention that. I don't know. At one point in the interview, she said, I want to see how much I can take. So I and I, let that, I let that go right past. I heard it. I heard it. I definitely was like, hmm, interesting choice of words. <laughs> and, and for those of you who maybe haven't listened to that interview with Trina Michaels, I want to encourage you to go check that out because if you listen closely and read between the lines, you might glean the same thing that some of us gleaned in regards to a situation with her and a very popular independent wrestler at the moment. Just That's saying. right. That's right. Uh, also on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed, WrestleMania Salvation, the Nitromania Podcast, and yes, eventually, the conclusion of Glowstick. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, the host on Twitter, Jason at J Stewart at S-T-U-A-R-T 0920. At Rockstar Troy for me, and of course for Sal, uh, definitely at Taz. Uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and if you, uh, if you didn't disagree with uh, Sal's take on Vince McMahon being a senile old man, I suggest you definitely hit up at Taz on Twitter and uh, tell Sal he's a fucking idiot. Yes, I agree, yep. Go ahead and get on, get on your phone or on your computer, log into Twitter, craft a tweet that says, at Taz, I think you're a fucking idiot. Vince McMahon is awesome. Hashtag Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thanks, Trey. Thanks to everyone who voted for our new logo. Although we need need to get an NXT, uh, I'm sorry, a sit-down logo sort of in that same vein. So, all right, it's your show. I'll I'll throw some. uh, I'm not good with graphics. You did a good job with that stuff. Okay. I do do theme songs. You do graphics. It works out. Right. Right. And of course, thank you for the theme song. Oh, next hey, week. You're welcome. Hi. Yep. <laughs> next week, <laughs> we bring you more SmackDown graphics. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for SmackDown graphics, I encourage you to hit us up on Twitter, email the show, or leave a voicemail suggesting yours. Smathers, we're looking at you. We want to hear from you, buddy. It's been too long. That's right. That's right. And we do appreciate your money. It uh, it, it keeps me in blow. No, we should actually clarify every every cent you guys donate on Patreon goes directly back to the show for hosting fees to help us keep these independent podcasts free for you and running for as long as we can do them. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, bye-bye. See you next Thursday. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently thrown into a dumpster by Adam Salzer. 
and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart and myself, but nobody cares about that. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. If you like things other than wrestling, why are you still listening? Go and check out all of our other shows, including our other wrestling show. Kind of old undersold that. The Raw Attitude Podcast, where Henry Hugeplex, the suplex throwing human duplex, who sounds conspicuously like a former rundown host, and also sounds very similar to a talking raccoon that lives in a trash can, as he chronicles the Attitude Era Raw is War episodes. You can also check out the New Blood Rising podcast, who just completed their fourth season, where they talked about The Undertaker and did a bunch of Undertaker impressions. Are uh, they still next a proud se- member of the Questionable Endeavor Network? I believe so. Okay. Uh, they definitely use the Raw Attitude Podcasts bumper uh, over every other po- uh, podcast bumper that they have access to. To be fair, we don't have our new bumper yet. We still have to do that. That's true. That's true. Uh, make sure to, to stay subscribed there because their next season is one you can definitely skip because they're talking WCW. If you enjoy horror podcasts, you can subscribe to the Slash of Sanitarium. That's a show that I'm on. So if you like hearing me talk, and I don't know why you would, subscribe to that. And if you like to never get an episode of a podcast, subscribe to the Shadowbane podcast, as well as the rest of our other shows, Taco Tuesday, which I'm still not positive what it is. Words of Geekdom, if you like Geekdom. Pone Stars, if you also like geeky things. The Reanimator Podcast, if you like to hear a bunch of guys talk about anime as if it is uh, Academy Award winning movies. And Nerd Control, which is our only YouTube show where a bunch of guys sit around and play video games. You can find all of that on Quest10Network.com if Andy remembered to pay the bills. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Maybe I'll be there. 